eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You've discovered your link to gopowercat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, gopowercat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to this edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast. It is loaded today. Unlike me, I'm not loaded at all. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert, your trio of dudes. That's what I'm going with. Dudes. And we're sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you stop in The Fridge whenever you're in town. Our segment sponsors are Tanners and The High Low. I might be in one of those places this weekend. We will see. We've got a little football in the first half, a little basketball in the second half, but kind of interesting questions today. Zach, your thoughts on these questions? Going to talk a little bit about Court Messingham and Jason mm. Ray switching positions, and then a little bit of some basketball and football comparisons. First, that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, it's going to be tasty. Ryan Gilbert, how are you doing? Why are you so poorly lit? Um, I'm in my roommate's room, and his his, his windows are not properly mm. or organized. Why, why, are, the why are you why, in your why, roommate's room? Why? What's wrong with I'm, your room? <laughs> if we're in my room, you're going to hear the microwave go off. You're going to hear my roommate mm. come in and say curse words and mm. a lot of noise. So it's a little quieter up here. And plus, it's easier have- to try on your roommate's underwear if you're in his room. <laughs> exactly. Now you're on to me. <laughs> oh, boys. Boys, that was the most uneventful spring signing press conference I've ever heard in my life because other than the transfers, there was no news in terms of signings. I mean, they had a couple, they had a couple guys that they officially added, but we've been reporting they're part of the class. Anyhow, it's, it was just... Oh, boy. It's a weird year. Just weird. When you get to the first Wednesday in February and there's not much like fresh news. However, Ryan Gilbert and the recruiting team, including, excuse me, Ryan Wallace and the recruiting team, including Ryan Gilbert. There we go. <laughs> uh, have been pounding out stories about this recruiting class. We've got some great alumni evaluations. Uh, former K-State players evaluating new players coming up at the site. Great stuff from the recruiting team at Go Cat, 60% off. Well, you missed it. It happened, and then you missed it. I'm sorry, folks. I, you had more than a week. It's going to be okay. It's, be, it's worth subscribing at full price. It really is. I promise you. Uh, guys, I want to start. I know we're going to start with football, but I, 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 I got to do this. Um, last night, well, 
I guess it would be Tuesday night, K-State KU. Uh, I'm kind of growing accustomed to crappy broadcast from ESPN, whether it's on a main network or plus or whatever. Um, when they're using remote announcers, they're bad. It's just It's just bad. Last night, Lance Blanks, the color commentator, was a whole new level of crappy. Absolute junk, nonsense, BS for the entire game. I don't know what he was talking about. I don't he he was chiding K-State for trying to get the ball inside. What the hell are you talking about? They shoot 30% from three. They have a really good young big man. Yeah, Lance, get the ball inside. Maybe we found out last night listening to Lance Blanks why the Phoenix Suns suck so bad when he was the general manager. Oh, you didn't know that? He was the GM for an NBA franchise. And he's acting like the Peter Principle is something he just recently discovered in a book. Lance, they could write a book about you in the Peter Principle. You have aspired over your talent and worth. Oh, ESPN Plus is above what you should be doing. My God, he was crappy. I oh. also like the play-by-play guy. I didn't mind him he at was all. Seemingly enjoyable, but when you put him with next to a color commentator that's not going to let him call the game, he's kind of worthless. Hmm. He loved hearing the sound of his voice, and his voice isn't very good for broadcast. I didn't quite get it. Oh well. Uh, we've. I've just they come to like a. Go ahead. They called it like a baseball game. Yeah. Like, we're not going to talk about any of the action. Now there's a basket. And now back to talking about a book. And Castellanos hits a line. Yeah. Line out to left field, and it will be a home run. Man. (laughs) It was just so bad. It was so bad. And and it felt like a hostage situation. I mean, I'm, I'm there watching the game. Because it's work. Um, And I'm going to be blunt here. If it hadn't been work, I wouldn't have watched it. I would have just peeked at the score. I think a lot of K-Staters are that way. There was no value outside of, you know, me needing to cover it for work. I mean, that's obvious value. But if I wasn't doing this for a living, nothing redeeming for me about watching that game. I knew how it would end. I missed my prediction by two points. I thought it would be 25. It was a 23-point loss. Just awful. We'll get to basketball in the second half of this podcast. But Lance Blanks, you are off my Christmas card list. And I'm, I know I'm not on yours. You don't care who I am. That's okay. Let's get going. Who's got the questions today? Oh, we don't know. We don't have, know. We haven't, prepared. we haven't prepared at all. Zach, take it away. From KNED. What is your take on the Courtney Messingham and Jason Ray position change? I liked Chris Kleiman's, I'm going to say it, excuse that he wanted his play caller to be more plugged in to the passing game. Well, I mean, I get that, but the passing game includes running backs and tight ends. And in fact, that's a big part of this offense's passing game. Uh, I, I think I'm just going to be blunt. I'm just going to put it out there. I think this was Jason Ray do a better job. Or this is it. We're switching you to this position, which, you know, it's fine. But the receivers are not producing. They're not good. Their fundamentals suck. So we're going to try something different. And if 
then the suckage moves to running backs and tight ends. I don't, I don't know. It, I, I'm, I'm surprised that everyone's back from on the staff. In a way, I like the loyalty. In another way, I've been through this before. I've seen how uh, extended loyalty to coaches works out for the program. Because pretty soon you're loyal to all the guys that want to stay because they can't get other jobs. That's just how it works out. So I thought it was interesting. I'm glad it took place. I think Courtney Messingham will do a better job with the receivers, which is weird because Jason Ray was a receiver. But I, I think it was – maybe it was Knet on the board. Someone posted – no, I know who it was. It was it was uh, someone on Twitter. Hey, why don't you go hire a former receiver to be the receiver's coach? That's going to do a good job. I mean, if you have a former receiver doing a bad job, get rid of him. Uh, it, it's okay. We'll see how it works out. I do like the idea of him being plugged in better to the passing game, and maybe that will work out with play calling. I think this is a good move because it's going to teach us one of two things. One, were there, how, how bad were the receivers this year? And is there improvement next year? Or are they the same or even worse? Well, we'll know our answer to what we've, you know, is it Jason Ray's fault there? Two, are the tight ends and fullbacks going to be worse next year or better? You know, how, what, what are those two groups and how are they going to either improve or slide back a little bit based on who their coach is? And, and if if Courtney Messingham can somehow develop these wide receivers and get them up to what they should have been last season, um, and get them performing to a level that's that's you know the best that they've been under Kleiman, I, I think the answer's there, and that this this will be Jason Ray's last year, unless unless for some reason he can make the the tight ends and fullbacks take off. Which under this which under this system, considering how Courtney Messingham is the offensive coordinator, and I don't think that play calling is going to change very much. They're still going to be involved in the game. So, at the very least, I think this this kind of alleviates Jason Ray of some some problems there. I guess you know if mm-hmm. if you know the wide receivers slide, I think Jason Ray is probably going to be done. I don't think it's going to matter what he does over on the other other side with tight ends and fullbacks if they get better than what mess at them. So, you know, I, it's, it's going to go one of two ways there. Indeed. Next question's from K Ned in light of Skyler's number change. Should what, should someone go to Dickie and Grogan and ask if they would like to see someone wearing 11, which would, which would in turn allow them to be mentioned more often. I, I I've been a fan of on retiring the number. I mean, Add them to the retired jerseys, which means the number is still in use. I think retiring numbers at, at the college level should be reserved for something of historical significance. Uh, and and as good as those quarterbacks were in the big scope of things, that's not significant enough. I guess what I'm talking about is, honestly, if someone passes away that's of note, um, while playing or something. Uh, I just don't see when you have more than 100 players in your roster how you can exclude one number because then you have more duplicates. Uh, I mean, we're so far out from what 11 meant to the program that it's just kind of silly to continue having it retired. I don't even know if you really need to ask them. 
you know, just just assign it. Yeah, just just let them know that we're gonna we need to unretire the number. We need the digits, but we're gonna honor you um, at a game again, so people can remember. Here's some free tickets. Come back for the Oklahoma game. Ride a damn Harley. I don't know. Do something to honor them. Give them a Harley. We're taking the number back. Put a number 11 on two purple Harleys, give it to them, and call it good. Yeah, I think that you should unretire 11. I like the significance that the number seven has for K-State mm-hmm. quarterbacks. It's cool. I love traditional numbers for schools. Take uh, Michigan's wide receiver wearing the number one. You know, that was a thing until Rich Rod ruined that tradition and everybody was up in arms there, which, which I get. Uh, but yeah, having, having a number tradition like that's cool. It's cool that he's going to wear it, but it's going to be weird seeing him wear it, man. He's worn number 10 for four seasons. It's It's just going to be, it's going to be weird seeing it like that. I mean, everybody knows this, knows Skylar Thompson is 10. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see, but yeah, like you mentioned, I would love to see the number 11 unretired. Somebody should wear it. I'd love to, you know, if, if 11 was the new quarterback number, I mean, it won't be, but you know, if, if seven and 11 were the quarterback numbers, I don't think anybody would be too upset by that. Mm. Seven and 11. Yeah. Interesting. Gills, you've been great so far. Give me your knowledge of uh, the names. um, Steve Grogan and Lynn Dickey go. Okay. We're done. That's my answer. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's what even what years were that? Uh, Dicky uh, was late sixties. Okay, maybe early seventies, and Grogan was I, after him. I don't think I was alive for that time. I don't no, know. No, uh, they were the part of the Vince Gibson era, and they did mean a lot. I mean, they both went on to NFL careers. They they both played in the yeah. NFL for a long time, the Packers and Patriots. So it it uh, they they are significant. They are mm-hmm. Hall of Fame type guys, but man, we we need the number. We need eleven back. Yeah. Can we have it? They're, they're significant, but if you use their statistics and whatever their level is at, and if you decided that you wanted to retire other numbers based on their significance, K State would have maybe twenty, thirty numbers available to them to yeah. possibly use, and they're mostly gonna be in the seventies and eighties. I mean there's no number. There would be no numbers if K-State used those stats. So that's just why I think it's still kind of silly that they just forbid the, the use of the number 11. Next question is from Cliff Clavin, 754. Which coach hates losing more, Les Miles or Bruce Weber? Well, I I don't know how to answer this. I don't I only coaches like, like losing. losing. Um I think Les doesn't give a crap at this point. Les is just cashing checks. Would he prefer to win? Yeah. But, I mean, I'd prefer to meddle in the offense and run off a perfectly good offensive coordinator because I won't leave him alone. I'll keep telling him what to do. I mean, that Les Miles is what he is. He's, a, he's an old guy that um, ain't what he used to be. He's not putting in the the grind you need to put in the program's never going to get anywhere under him this all freshman rebuild is a joke it's just going it's making the program worse 
Um, Bruce Weber still cares. I mean, Bruce Weber isn't happy about this at all. In fact, I'm worried about Coach Weber because it looked like it looks like this season's really taking a toll on him. It really is, and um, so no, no, nobody likes losing. I think Les just at this point cares less about winning. He just okay. Well, the check still goes in the bank account. That's good. We're closer to retirement. And and Bruce and I think still enjoys coaching. It's just I think everything around this season just sucks for him, for the team, for the fans. I mean, he's not immune to the the effects of the suckage. That's by the way, that's technical scientific terminology right there. Suckage effects have ramifications for Bruce Weber. He's not immune to it. I think the difference between Les and Bruce are the ex- I mean, if you take the expectations of what each of those programs are, and if they both lose, Bruce is meeting is falling much shorter of the expectations than Les Miles is. Les Miles is expected to go out basically week after week and just take losses. I mean, that's that's the expectation there. For K-State basketball, it's not the case. And right. Unfortunately, the last two years, that's what it's been. You know, if you want to go back a few more years and see the first rebuild, yeah, that's kind of been what it's been. But, hey, you have at least some highs. I don't see KU football going to Orange Bowls in the last 12 years. So you guys are exactly right. I mean, Bruce cares a lot more about his team and his job and less is like you said, Fitz, he's kind of just at the tail end of his career, you know, getting his check and he was kind of just brought there to be, to get the ball rolling again. And that didn't really work out, but that was the plan. So yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just, it's gotta be Bruce Weber. Next question is from Ema Wildcat 82 How many more wins will the football team have this fall than the basketball team? <laughs> it is wow. so sad that we can make this comparison. <laughs> Are we talking about the basketball team in the fall or this basketball team right now, this whole season? Where are they Conference at? Five wins? Yeah. yeah. What, what's our... <laughs> Well, I'm not ready to assign a number of wins to football. I haven't looked around the conference enough to understand that. So, um, but six? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, even if we look at percentages, you know, if K State goes wins six games and goes three and six in the conference, I mean that that that's six and twelve in basketball in the Big Twelve. That ain't happening, folks. That ain't happening next year. Unless there's a total revamp of the program. And what I mean by that is you get who's in, you you do everything you can to keep guys like Nigel Pack and Davion Bradford. And there's no one I really want specifically off the team. But there's some guys that if they left, go to the transfer portal and find some guys that can come in and help. Quit complimenting other coaches on how good they do as GMs and do the same damn thing because it works. So yeah, football, football is going to have more success than basketball uh, unless there's some changes. These guys um, are not equipped to compete at this level and they won't be true sophomores next year because they still are not learning the things they should have been learning this season because they didn't get enough practice. I know I've, I've kind of given Bruce a pass because of the pandemic and some of those things, but 
I can't figure out why they still are making mistakes that they shouldn't have been making at the start of the year when we're into February. I mean, you've had them. There should be some more clarity on what they're supposed to do and how they do it. So that's my frustration at this point. Football's going to be fine. I've got a buddy who thinks football's going to fall apart. I'm like, no, it won't. I'm, I'm, I feel good about football. It's just going to be a process here, getting it converted over. And last year and all that went into it just didn't help the process at all for Chris Kleiman. Football's going to be fine. Basketball, well, we're going to get to that in the second half. You bring up a good point, Fitz. I, I, I don't know if the, the actual win total, that's going to be really close. But, I mean, no doubt about it, the win percentage is going to be astronomically higher in, in football. Last question of the first half from I Like Pickles Cat. I saw someone say that Gene Taylor's statement to the Mercury and Chris Kleiman's new contract was a signifier that Gene wants this to be a football school. If I could tell you that in the next 12 years, next 12 seasons, football would win two conference titles and have nine seasons with nine-plus wins, but basketball would never finish with more than seven conference wins, would you take it? Uh, At first, I said no. At first, hmm. I said no way. But then I thought about it. Two conference titles in 12 years, not just appearances in the game, Two, you go to the game and you win it. And you'd think one of those years, you're going to be good enough to go to the college football playoff. Even under its current format of four teams, you're probably going to go to at least one of them. So, yeah, I'd take that. But then you got to factor in, if you're winning it in two years out of 12, you're probably going to appear in the championship game and lose at least a couple more times, if not more than that. So... And nine of those seasons, you're winning nine games. Yeah, that's that, that's tough to say no to, especially basketball. You can go seven and eleven in, in especially in the Big Twelve, and get a seven seed or a, a, even a six seed if you're non-conference good enough or whatever. I mean, this just look at this league. If K State was eight and ten at the end of this year, with you know how good the league is this year. K-State would be in the NCAA tournament easily. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be hindered just because of how tough this league is. So just taking that factor for basketball and saying seven wins, I don't think you're going to be shorted out of the NCAA tournament necessarily too many. I mean, there's it's going to be tough to make it with seven conference wins, but not impossible. But at least you got football going for you. Gills? I, I excuse me. I compare this kind of to basketball and the debate that's been going on with Bruce uh, with this question. I think that the the twelve in twelve years, if you win two conference titles and you always you are winning consistently, winning nine games a season, that outweighs however bad basketball might be, and that's going to be pretty bad if you don't win more than seven games. But those highs outweigh the lows. So I would the answer is yes, one hundred percent. I would love that if K State was. Um, making two conference title games. I guess winning two conference title games as Zach uh, picked apart the question. Yeah, I mean, you're going to the you're going to the New Year's Six probably four years yeah. out of 12. That's once every three seasons. That is an insane rate that I, I would love to see outside of, you know, since the college football playoff era began, just seeing how many other teams outside of, you know, the, the, the main guys, you know, Ohio State, Clemson, OU, Alabama, and just comparing 
over the last however many seasons, how many times teams have made the New Year's Six. Because I think you'd be tough to find a similar percentage of, you know, 33% of all New Year's Six Bowls, I guess. If Lucifer came and offered me this deal, I would take it. Because I'm convinced Lucifer visited someone in Lawrence and offered him a similar deal with basketball and football. I'm convinced that in 1988, a deal was done for a soul and KU basketball got really good, but the cost was KU football and a soul. I'm not giving up my soul. I Yeah, I'd probably take that, but this also buys into the argument that to be really good in one, you can't be good in the other. And I... And I don't accept that. I know it's difficult, but just because it's difficult to be good in one, let alone both, or all three, if you want to throw in baseball or whatever, I mean, the the chances of being excellent in one sport for Kansas State are tough. So you multiply that out with two sports, it gets tougher. But I think K-State fans don't need to focus on one or the other. Now, they do tend to not check into basketball until after football's over. But I think if basketball was really good, we saw this when you had some really elite players. Fans did find time for basketball. What they don't like is finding time for Kansas State versus uh, northern South Central Carolina in the non You know, that is the scheduling thing. I, just get over it. I'd much rather them play in Omaha or, or Drake or... You know, teams that are got some significance around the region. But, yeah, I, I would certainly enjoy that from football. But what you're offering in trade for basketball is also a vast improvement over what we were seeing these last two seasons. So if that deal was done, I'm like, well, basketball is going to get a lot better. Would would fans think Bruce Weber should be coach of the year if they win seven games next year without any giant changes on this roster? He might deserve it. So like Wagcat always says, or maybe it's Southpaw, one of those weirdos, when you win three games followed by one game or two games in the conference, five feels like progress. Seven feels like a lot of progress. And Getting to 500 with nine wins in the conference feels like a freaking miracle. Lower the bar enough, and clearing it becomes much easier. But I take the deal. I would sell Zach's soul if I could. Oh. I would Zach. I'm sorry, man. I would trade you in for good football. Sorry, just the way it is. Sad. Sad. That's it for the first half. That's a good first half, man. Gills, you are fantastic. It's probably because you're half in the shade. You're not all here. I don't. I, don't, yeah, I can only answer half the questions, right? I don't understand <laughs> your lighting at all. It just it it it's like a, a horror movie. Like if you could have an axe, that would really make it a full sell of the look. I like it. I can move. I can move here. Let's fix it. No, no. Better. Oh my God! You have an entire face. We'll be back to discuss. Ryan Gilbert's entire face on the other side of this break. This is the Powercat Questions podcast sponsored by Fred Wholesale Liquor. The Powercat podcast will be right back.
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert. We do this every week. I hope you enjoy it. Make sure you tell your friends about the PowerCat Podcast. We do not hold back. We say what's on our minds. We're not playing politics. We're not kissing butts. We're just doing our thing. Speaking of kissing butts, I'm, I'm going to be at Tanner's later this week. Mm, I miss Tanner so much. Sit there. At my favorite table with a beer and watch watch some sports. Man, that's right, folks. I've had the vaccine. I have grown horns. I now can see into the fourth dimension. And what else? What other superpowers? Oh, um, I can communicate with Lucifer and give away his axle. Those are my superpowers. I had no problems with the vaccine. None. None. Like, yeah, most people don't. My arm was a little sore, but I mean, they stuck a needle in my arm. Of course it's sore. It's like getting a flu shot. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to start living my life a little bit. Yeah. And we're going to live some more life right here on the podcast as we switch our attention to basketball and Gene Taylor, K-State Athletics Director. Dun, dun, dun. First question's from Ricky Ticky Tavi. What happened between the Manhattan Mercury article and the Wichita Eagle article that mm. made Gene Taylor walk things back a little bit? Which statement is more indicative of what will happen at the end of the year? Um, obviously, he got pushed back. You know, K-State fans, even, even the really wealthy ones, I mean, um, I was – Honored to be uh, privy to Jack Veneer. I mean, he's still with us. Unfortunately, Don, his wife, is not. Um, and he was the big donor, obviously, when the program was football program was being built. He was an initial investor in our company. He never demanded anything out of anyone. He never put limitations or ex- expectations on anyone. Not once did he call me with a pushback about anything I reported or said. And he never, to my knowledge, participated in trying to influence K-State sports in the direction of it, other than being incredibly supportive and wanting the best for football. 
And I think that's true of Carl Ice and, and many other donors who may be less visible than those two people. Um, they don't put demands on, and, and Gene Taylor alluded to that. K-Staters don't say, hey, if you don't do it my way, I'm not going to give money. That's a very Texas thing in my book, uh, but it's not that way here. Um, but don't mistake that with whatever you want to do, I'll be happy. And and I just kind of suspect Gene misread the room a little bit. And what I mean by that is he didn't have anyone say, hell yeah, fire his ass, or I'm not giving another penny. Because that's not the way K-Staters are. They were more subtle about it. They're like, yeah, well, I'd like to see a change. And then Gene gave his pitch, and okay, yeah. And he mistook that for, I'm, I'm good with it. Because I don't think a lot of people are good with it. And, and what's unique about this is if you want to think that the bigger money guys or gals, I don't mean to be that way, um, <clears throat> bigger money donors are in the older demographic. Not always true. There's some really successful young people, but they are more plugged in and probably more passionate about basketball than the younger generation because we do have a tie to something that goes back far beyond what guys like you two have experienced. We did sit in a Hearn Field house and hear how loud it was. Uh, with all respect to Gene, and I love him. He's a great guy. I think he's been a very good AD. Um, I don't think he's fully plugged into his fan base yet. I just don't. People are pissed off. And even the people that support Bruce Weber don't accept this. This isn't caused by the pandemic. It's compounded by the pandemic. And I think he got some feedback. I think he got some pushback. Gene, I think you didn't quite hear me. I want to change, but I'm not going to threaten you. That's not how I work. So, um, or maybe he just thought I was a little bit too definitive because he was. I mean, he basically said, told Ryan Black, who's a great reporter, um, and credit to him for getting Gene on the record. Honestly, I didn't I didn't bother asking because I didn't think he would talk. And he shouldn't have. But Ryan got him to say, Yeah, coach is gonna be back. This is all this all doesn't matter. You know, I'm I'm paraphrasing here. This all doesn't matter. That's a pandemic. He, he, this rebuild's fine. K State fans are fine with it. Yeah, it's it's just part of the process. Well, it's not fine, and it's not part of the process. The program should not be in this state. A meteor didn't hit the program. There wasn't a fire in the locker room, and everyone left. This, The way the program is heading into this season is unacceptable. The way the program is coming out of last season is unacceptable, pandemic or not. And when you're talking about now losing four 20-point games, plus games in a row in the conference, that's amazing. You've lost four games by 20 points or more in a row in the conference. Oh, would more practice have helped this team? Yeah. 20 points better? No, no. I Maybe they beat TCU. Maybe they beat Oklahoma State. But we're still staring at three wins or something in the conference. And... I just think maybe he was too definitive on a Saturday night with what he said to Ryan. And when Kellis Robinette followed up, 
he was walking backwards. Whether he was pushed by anyone or not, I think when he saw his words in print, and one of the things I like about Gene is he isn't always political. You know what I mean? He isn't always coach speak, AD speak kind of guy. But I think he realized, uh, I better leave myself a little more wiggle room. I mean, what if things really do get worse? I don't know how. how. I don't know how that happens at this point. But what if things do get worse? Now, what I found curious, Gills, and I want your, your thoughts on this. When, when he initially said, you know, barring something off the court, does that mean like ethics? Or do you think that means transfer portal? I mean, because if if we're accepting the fact that this team is young and needs time to prepare and get better and some seasoning, some ripening on the vine, if four of them hit the transfer portal, what the hell was this all about? So I, I don't know. Give me your thoughts, Gills. Yeah, if that if that does happen, you're back at square minus one or minus two uh, from two seasons ago. But I mean, yeah, I, I think it's just locker room management would be kind of the answer to his off the court issues. I mean, unless he gets charged with a, a crime or something, I don't know what else that could entail. So, yeah, I, I think if Nigel Pack and Bradford and Miguel, probably those three guys, if they stay bought in, um, and Weber doesn't, you know, let them slack off like some of the other guys have done in the past, then I, I think that's what what Gene's answer would be. And shameless plug here, I'd encourage anyone to listen to my podcast. I had Ryan Black yeah. on there, and we talked about this for about an hour. Or so. Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit it on the nail nail on the head with the question, Fitz. Um, I don't want to say it's a false narrative, but I think that maybe people looked into it a little bit too much with what he said to Ryan and then to Kellis. Obviously, it, it was a different answer, but at the same time, it's not like he it's not like he gave a different answer. It was just not as much of an answer, if that makes sense. See, when I read Ryan Black's story at first, I didn't read it as definitive as as what Fitz has has said. And while I think that when you say something and you print something, it can look and feel completely different. Yep. But you know, I I don't know if if Gene did this on purpose. If he's, I don't. I think Gene's a very smart guy. I think he has a a pretty firm grasp on the fan fan base, at least in this situation. He knows that this is absolutely unacceptable for K State basketball. I mean, that's the fact of the matter. And and part of me reads him saying, you know, it's our intentions for him to be back next year. I mean, it's it's still Jan- I mean, it's February now, but he said it. It was end of January when these comments were made, what else can you say, you know, at any time, at any point in any season, Hey, yeah. Other than, yeah, we're going to keep our guy around. I mean, well, you can't just fire him right there. I mean, it's, <laughs> and I think he was trying to give an answer that said, Oh, well, we'll, you know, we'll see how the season goes away. I mean, that's what he ended up saying, but I think he kind of misrepresented the hand that he was trying to play. And like you said, he doesn't do a lot of coach speak, you know, that kind of politically correct talk of, Oh, you know, we'll do this. I feel that that's kind of what he was trying to do by, you know, giving, trying to give a non-answer saying, you know, I mean, it's like, well, if he, if somebody asked Gene, you know, is Bruce going to be the coach next year? You know, he could say he is under contract until 2023, you know, like it's answers like that. And that's, I don't, I didn't, I never really read it as being a hundred percent definitive. And, and I still think that it left him some wiggle room to, to back off. And that's what he did. But, and, and, 
I, I know that there's tons of people that emailed him very upset and credit to Gene to actually responding to a lot of people that, that message, message him. And a lot of people on our boards on Wabash, they say, Hey, yeah, you know, he responded to my email at nine o'clock on a Sunday, you know, and I, and I appreciate Gene for, for being that type of AD and being able to listen to the, to the people when it's time to listen and maybe, and especially when he gets it wrong or he seemingly gets it wrong and, you know, he backed off and, and I don't think anything really changed, you know, whatever he said is what he said, but it doesn't change change the fact that K-State has not won a single game in 2021. They very well could lose out the rest of the season. I, I don't see any guaranteed wins on the rest of the schedule until Iowa State gets rescheduled, you know. But, yeah, I think Gene may have just kind of misworded what he wanted to say and misworded maybe what he wanted to represent as far as what hand, you know, what cards he's holding and what he perhaps wants to play you know, come mid-March. You know, I think all of us who are on social media, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or MySpace, I don't know. Um, and I know, Zach, you're big on MySpace. Uh, we try to take that as a cross-section. This is true of message boards, too, whether it's our message board or KSO's message board. I mean, whatever message board, we kind of assign a cross-section of the fan base to that group that's not necessarily true. I mean, there's there's something to be said about the people who put themselves out there, who have opinions that put them out, because most people, we know this is true. If you're on a message board, most are just reading. They're not putting anything out there. They might participate in asking a question, uh, but they won't really put their opinions out there for whatever reason. So maybe it feels like to all of us who are paying attention to social media and message boards that uh, everyone wants Bruce out. Because we're seeing this from, you know, there's some still people who agree with he needs another year. This is part of the rebuild. This was the plan. Stick to the plan. I get I get that. I mean, it wouldn't have been my plan, but if it is the plan, why change it? That might be Gene's stance. But we're also seeing a lot of people, I've always supported Bruce, but this is just too much. This is too bad. we got to move on. But as I move about in what little I do now in public, um, everyone I talk to is sick of it. And, and I sometimes feel like we assign too much weight to social media and message boards. But I think in this case, it really is a reflection of what the general fan base thinks. And I think people are just tired of this. But even worse than that, I think people are stopping caring. They're just, they're giving up. They're just like, screw it. I'm not watching. I'm done with it. I'm out. So uh, if Gene Taylor has Bruce Weber back, I think ticket sales are going to be a really important measurement to where the fans are post-pandemic. And with that said, K-Staters are not reactionary. Like I indicated earlier, many older fans will keep their tickets because they will persist. Not all of them, but many of them have an ag background. Or we've been around it all of our lives. So we understand the mentality that it hasn't rained in three years, but I'm not selling my farm. I'm holding on to it. And that's the way they are with tickets. It'll get better. The rain will come. The weather will cooperate. 
and the wealth will follow so we can pay the bills. And that's the way they are with tickets. And again, don't misread that as pleasure with the the current circumstances. We'll see. We'll see what tickets do, but I know this. There ain't nobody at those games right now. Gills, Zach, there's nobody there. Oh, no. I was going to make one final point before we move on. If there's one thing that's benefiting Bruce Weber right now, it's the fact that he can have 15% capacity or whatever. I don't even know what the capacity number is. It's not, it's not a third. It's not a quarter. You know, 2,000 people max can probably go into Bramlage Coliseum, maybe 1,500. I don't know. Are they selling that out? No, they're not. And if there was full capacity allowed, would they be even, you know, would, would, would they double the attendance if full capacity was allowed? How many people are not going to K-State games right now that are doing so because, oh, it's a pandemic? I don't, there really aren't that many people. I don't think that the fan attendance would be much different. It would not be much different. I think you would be seeing less than 4,000 people at these games. It is possible to go to a K-State game right now and not be exposed to COVID because you won't be within 30 feet of another fan. Yeah. It's not COVID. Yeah, the, stu- the students have done an okay job with the student section, even though they kind of got screwed over how they got shoved to the side in the corner. But I, I was talking to my friend last night about this no, pandemic or no pandemic. In my opinion, that crowd wouldn't look any different at all. Zero. Yeah. People vote with their wallets and they vote with their time. And like this year, if this is what the product is going to be, why should I spend money on it? Why should I spend time on it if I'm a K-State fan that wants to watch games? They also vote with their passion. And once they get to indifference, it can feel like nobody's pushing back. Like fans are fine with it. Well, they're not. They just don't care anymore. They gave up. They gave up because they feel like you gave up. We'll see how this plays out. You know, Matt Walters was very definitive on the insiders this week. And by the way, this has been a great week of podcasts. Gills, you mentioned your 10 of 12 with Ryan Black. Great stuff. The insiders was the best ever as we had Jarrett Sutton on a Missouri guy. So we had an outsider on the insiders. Go figure that one out. Um, (laughs) But he was uh, he was really, really good. And and but Matt said, look, Gene's not firing him. Bruce will be back next year, period. So, um. You know, I think there's that thought within the athletics that this is silly. Of course, he'll be back. I just want people to know that pandemic or not, I don't see this as acceptable. I understand the issues that the program has faced. I do. But the rebuild wasn't because of the pandemic. The rebuild was because of mismanagement. And that that's not pandemic related. It's made it worse with the pandemic, but... Those are two separate things. And just always come back to this. What would their record be if it had been a normal year? I don't see them closing the gap that much. Yeah, they'd be better. I don't think they'd lose to Fort A. State. I think they do perform better against Drake and Colorado. I think they beat Texas A&M. They might beat TCU. They're probably eighth in the conference. They're That's at, what's crazy. At, at best, That's they're eighth. crazy. And if we're starting to accept... A three-win season followed by a five-win season in Big 12 play, we're screwed. Just give it up. Next question is from BVWJ. Did Gene Taylor go on the record with support for Bill Snyder this season before he forced him out? Boy, I don't recall. 
I, I, I don't recall. Um, I don't think it was any as clear as, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm really, that caught me off guard. I'm not sure. Um, it, it really isn't about before the season. I mean, you're expecting seven, eight, nine wins with football. And when they go five and there's players transferring and, and telling you they're going to transfer. Um, yeah, I mean, but he didn't go on the record before Iowa State saying, ah, oh, he'll be back. Yeah. He, you know, that'd be the better comparison. I mean, with Bruce, this is a 24-month thing almost. Yeah. I mean, not 24 months. but I mean, it's been almost 24 months since they won the Big 12 championship. You know, it was – I know K-State didn't win a Big 12 championship, but at least K-State won a bowl game in the prior 12 months before Bill was out. So this is this is maybe not a fair comparison here because this is two seasons in a row of bad, of bad basketball. And the fans are upset. They're ticked off. And Gene Taylor does need to be answering these questions. You know, that's just the – that's just the fact of the matter, and he's going to have to make comments on this, you know, whether he wants to be political about it or, or if he wants to say what he said. You know, it, it just, yeah, it, after two years of, of bad basketball, questions are, need to be answered. This does go back to something we talked about earlier in the podcast. The standard is higher for Kansas State football. It shouldn't be, it, but it is. This kind of failure on the football field would not be tolerated. Losing your roster, completely blowing it up, going one and eight in the conference. There would be a midseason change. Wouldn't be tolerated. There would be a midseason firing. If, if this was – if K-State basketball last year was, cons- was compared to football and then football did what they're doing in basketball right now, if they're 0 and 8 – Whoever the it doesn't matter who the head coach is. If you go three and nine, zero oh and eight, you are out before the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, that's just what K State football is and what they expect. And not even probably just K State football, football in general. You cannot just go out there and do that and BKU. If K State in basketball goes one and seventeen this season in the Big Twelve, the last two seasons would average out to the equivalent of going one and eight back-to-back seasons in Big 12 football. Hmm, no, that no. That's that's a no-brainer. Nobody's going to put up with that. So maybe circling all the way back to the earlier question, yeah, maybe K-State is just all in on football and screw basketball whatever happens happens. We're not going to spend any more money than we have to. For my like pickles cat, is Bruce Weber effectively a Gene Taylor hire after the fan base wanted him fired already and he gave him a new contract? You can say that. I mean, he sure sounded like, um, he, you know, he's he's more concerned about the quality of Bruce Weber as a person than a coach. And, and I appreciate Bruce Weber being a great person. But. At the end of the day, it's about wins and losses. So, yeah, I think that's a valid point, that once you extend a contract of a coach, they become yours. It's your signature on that extension. So, yeah, I guess you can say that. Uh, I think I still don't consider it 
I wouldn't consider Bruce a Gene Taylor hire just because when Gene Taylor came in, you know, that's coming off of how bad K-State basketball was after the, you know, before the first rebuild, you know, 2017 hits, it's four years ago. John Curry leaves for Tennessee two weeks before the end of the season. He was, I think John Curry was strongly considering firing Bruce Weber. I mean, Bruce Weber was probably gone if John Curry was still the AD just 14 days later. Yep, he was. It's the truth. I know that. I mean, and it's, you know, K-State basketball looks different if that, if John Curry stays an extra two weeks and then goes to Tennessee or, or whatever. But when Gene comes in now, he can't just fire a head basketball coach, you know, in the first month of him being at K state. So yeah, you got to give him more years and yeah, he got an extension later, but I, I'm pretty sure that there was an extension that needed to happen when, when Gene was hired. So, you know, he gets retained, they extend him. Uh, we talk about extensions all the time, but you, you basically have to cover four years from now. That's just how coaching works. You have to cover to be able to recruit. You have to be able to make the sell that, Hey, I'm going to be here for as long as you're here. It's hard to recruit when you only have two years on a deal, one more year on a deal. I mean, it's, it's tough to, to recruit without being able to say, yeah, my future is here. So I, I don't think that Gene really had much of a, a choice, especially when, when it comes to basketball contracts, you know, you just got to, you got to extend the deal. It's kind of like what Bill Snyder's deal was. He, you know, you'll coach until you're not. That's basically what it is until you leave or we decide it's time for you to leave. There's going to be no expiring of contracts really. I mean, it doesn't really matter. There's going to be buyouts paid. That's just, that's how college basketball, college, college football, college athletics. That's how they work. You know, the only contracts that expire are your non-revenue sports, your Olympic sports. From Anderson Blumont, pretend you're the AD and you get to decide to keep Bruce or turn the page uh, to a new chapter. Who do you call to help you make the decision? And what are a list of pros and cons you would write down to help you weigh all the factors of your ultimate decision? I call former coaches at K-State. Uh, I call other coaches that have been at K-State. You know, people that I think um, know what they're doing. Uh, you know, and... I appreciate the function of uh, search committee, search organizations, whatever they are, that help out. I appreciate it. I think they have too much power. I just do. Because every school is unique. How will this coach fit in with our culture at Kansas State? Uh, I think Gene Taylor did a great job on football. That's a good fit culturally. And as much as I like Neil Brown, I think he's a great coach, Gene was right. I mean, side by side, everything exact, culturally, Chris Kleiman not only fits K-State better, he's probably more inclined to stay at K-State. He's not a Southern guy. He's, a, he's an upper Midwest guy, but we'll, we'll take him, even though he's got a funny accent and says some words weird. What's his word? What's the word? That- uh, situation. 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 So if I'm judging this situation... I love that. Oh, by the way, I'm just going to start saying that. I like uh, how Bruce says sorry like a Canadian. 
if we're going to talk about the north. He says sorry, like Wisconsin, he's from Canada. Wisconsin. Yeah, that's the neighborhood. Um, yeah, it. Uh, but I want someone that not only is going to be a good X's and O's guy, but um, will be able to inspire players to make them do more than they think they can do. Bill Snyder is great at that. Um, and how you go about that is different ways. I mean, Frank would just scare the crap out of everyone. and They'd keep working. But, yeah, I mean, it's easy to say, I want someone who wins, recruits well, uh, looks good in a suit, and uh, has nice hair. I mean, all those things you, you want. Okay, the hair. You don't have to have hair. It's really about the quality of individual and understand what you need to do. I'll be this really on the record here. What you need to do to succeed in basketball without getting your team to school on probation. Period. Until the NCAA steps up and does their job, that. What are you going to do? How are you going to do it? And are you going to get us on probation? Are you going to be as as reckless as we've seen some coaches around here? Oh, shit. I don't even know if reckless gets you on probation anymore. Apparently, the FBI has a KU assistant on talking about paying players, and that's not gone anywhere. So, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of th- lot of layers here, but there's some good coaches out there. Again, the last question of the Insiders podcast with Jared Sutton. Go listen to that. It was really good. I think the only thing that I would add to that as far as making a decision of, you know, pros and cons, I guess, is, is, is keeping Bruce for one more year and waiting for, you know, what the coaching pool might be next year. Do you think that that's going to be better than it is this year? And what I mean is what is the best chance for you to get your guy for the next, you know, six or seven years. And maybe that means starting a year from now. And, and if that's, that, that's really the only way I could, you know, be convinced to keep Bruce, I guess, is, hey, we don't think that the coaching market is better than what Bruce provides right now. Yeah, Bruce is on the hot seat. He may or may not turn it around, but we think next year may be the better year in the market. So th- that's the only way that, that I really keep Bruce. What, what happened, Fitz? One of my it's dogs farted. I'm sorry. One oh. of my dogs farted. It's it's the home office thing has its upsides and downsides, and it's really bad. There she is. No, thing, I, I, I still can't smell, so I'm I'm glad I'm. <laughs> it doesn't really matter if I'm there or not. I'm glad we can't smell over Zoom. Wow, it's bad. Oh boy. Okay. Final question of the podcast from I like pickles cat. We keep hearing about the youth of the team. What would you predict this group's record would be in two years when they are seniors and juniors? Well, um, I'm going to, I'm going to say juniors. I mean, I'm not putting much faith in the sophomore group. Honestly, I'm just not, I don't see the kind of advancements you would expect. Um, so I think maybe they're hovering around 500 their junior year. Say 10 and 8. That's what I'd go. Man. I'd... I mean, that's hovering at 500. I, I can see 8 and 10. I mean, that's kind of been yeah. the history of the program is 8 and 10 precedes 14 and 4. Or You know, it, it just all kind of works in there. 
I I don't see this group winning a Big 12 championship, though, because I don't see them bringing in enough good players behind them to get this done. The biggest thing I think Bruce should tell Gene is that he is going to reassign one of his positions or flat out ask for a new position on his staff because you have people in charge of recruiting freshmen, even junior college guys. Put someone in charge of the portal. That's going to be the new thing with football and basketball programs. Someone that is in charge of managing the transfer portal. Because there's a lot of talent out there, but man, you have to sift through a lot of film to find it. So I think that is the biggest resource that K-State is squandering on the basketball side. He raves about Baylor, raves about Tech, and even Kansas gets in there once in a while with it. But he doesn't do it himself. Not often enough. He'll take a transfer. But with the state of the program, they should have never, they shouldn't have a second freshman commitment in this next class. They just shouldn't. They should just hold it, say, we're going to go to the portal. We're going to find someone that can help the team, whether it's points, rebounds, or work work ethic and leadership. What can this person immediately impact? Immediately impact. Because there are so many transfers out of this program consistently. We're always using the young excuse. They're always young, except for the seasons they win the Big 12 title because they've they finally gathered up enough steam to be old, and then they're all gone. Then we have a mutiny, and then they're young again for three years. It's intolerable. I like what you said about having a, a position for the transfer portal. Because if you think about pro teams, you know, if, if right now in college basketball, if the assistants, if they're the scouts – you know, trying to find the new recruits. I mean, that's like what an NFL or an MLB scout, you know, they go out to all these amateur games to go find games. They're not dealing with the the free agent market. They're not trying to make the team better today. They're trying to make the team better in two, three years. You know, it's, there's this combination now with, with the transfer portal that you have to worry about. And if you're not, and, and like we've, you know, seen with what Chris Beard at Texas tech, um, you know, being a good general manager and being able to find guys in the portal that are going to help your team. I mean, you need to treat the, the portal market, the, the treat the transfer market and the portal like the free agent market in pro sports. There's going to be guys out there. that are going to help your team win the day and you win the dang to, day. Yeah. Okay. Get it right. <laughs> and you know, you need those people to identify the current guys, you know, guys that are going to make an impact today. And it's kind of this marriage where you're going to have to figure out between, you know, who you're bringing in and who you're going to acquire and make trades for just, it's, I know it's college football or college, college sports. You can't trade, but I mean, free agencies here. And with these, you know, once the one-time switch truly goes into effect, you know, you're really going to be behind if you don't have a guy that's just paying attention to the portal. To answer the question, I, I agree with you guys. I think when Nigel Pack and Bradford are juniors, they'll probably uh, they'll be around the 500 mark, probably an 8-9 seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, so a Final Four run is what you're saying? The next year? 
No, that year. And then you win the Big 12 championship the next year and you <laughs> go out in the first round. <laughs> uh, depends if so, if they're healthy or not when they get to the big dance. But <laughs> I I question if they'll be here. So, I mean, if I, you know, Weber's shown that he's got problems keeping his players around. If they do stay around, I like their potential to make a run at a Big 12 title. I really do. I think it, it does depend how good or bad the Big 12 is. You know, two years ago, the Big 12 – it was a down year and K-State was the beneficiary of that, but it, it depends on if these guys actually do stay around because I know that's not what the question's asking. Um, it says they'll be around, but I question if they'll even be around because Weber's shown that he's, he's got trouble doing that. But if they're around in three years from now, when they're seniors, I do like their chances to do something special. I do. That was a long winded podcast. We're getting good it at was. that. I like it. We're good at taking minimal questions and talking a long time about them. Uh, I am. I know that. Can't I can't believe when we did more questions that we still only would go like an hour. <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, that's just the way it is now. It's a yeah. pandemic. I'm, every, everything's blamed on the pandemic, so it's the pandemic. Due to COVID. Due to COVID, this podcast is long because Fitz is lonely. Everyone have a great weekend. If you're a cheese fan... Have a fantastic freaking weekend. I don't know. I'm going to have a good weekend. I get to see the boys. I need. To, I get to go out. I get to be in public. I'll be wearing a mask. Don't worry about me. Worry about the alcohol. Because Tanner's in the high-low, they get their alcohol from the fridge. And that's bringing it full circle. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.